you're trying to get people to to respect you as a as a creative but also know that you make money but also not enough money that you shouldn't buy for me like it's a weird it's a weird relationship when you're a small business this is a show about creative people and their creative practices it's your weekly reminder that you are not alone in figuring out how to do the creative work that matters to you welcome to the used key I'm your host, Ray Kess. This season, we're talking about money. And today, I have the pleasure and privilege of speaking with Leanne Vaz. Hi, Leanne. Thanks Hi. for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have folks introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Leanne. Uh, my pronouns are she and her. Um, I'm based in Toronto and I'm a full-time goldsmith. Amazing. Yeah. So as you know, we're going to be talking about creative work and money, mm-hmm. but before we dive in, I would love to know a little bit about how money shaped your childhood. Yeah. So I grew up for the most part in Toronto. My parents and I moved here when I was three and they're originally from, well, they met in the Middle East. So in Abu Dhabi, UAE. Um, and then immigrated here when they were in their 30s. So quite old for, you know, moving to a new country with a kid and essentially starting over. So growing up, we weren't, we were like lower middle class, I would say. We kind of like were pretty frugal in most senses of the word. Like I knew to like whenever I was gifted money, if I made money, like it would go to my parents. They would kind of put it away like in a rainy day fund or in a, my bank account, which I just had and sat there you know, when I was a kid. So I kind of knew like money was a special thing. We didn't really spend a lot, but we made a lot with what we had and we were never wanting for anything. We just knew we were to be careful with money kind of thing. And so that kind of formulated a really good method for me to save money as I grew older and moved out and was in school. And now I'm living my life like everyone who knows me knows I'm very good at saving money, but I will spend it on things that I want um, and things that I find worthwhile to spend money on. So that is definitely formulated for my parents being older immigrants to a country where they were doing really well off in their in their homeland and came here and had to start over kind of thing. It was a different relationship with money. That's so great. I love yeah. that you had such a solid financial foundation. Yeah. And it was not anything that was taught to me. I kind of just picked it up, kind of saw what my parents were doing and, and kind of just emulated that way. And not to say that everything they did was on the nose and they knew it, like they were learning too, and they've made mistakes. I've made mistakes kind of thing, but yeah. So great. So tell me a little bit more about what your creative practice looks like now. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm a full-time goldsmith. So what that means, I basically, my one job is creating beautiful pieces for people. And that entails like wedding rings, engagement rings, really sentimental custom pieces, which I do a lot of, and also a lot of upcycling and recycling of people's family heirlooms and other pieces of jewelry and then small repairs here and there. That takes up a good chunk of my day, but of course I am an entrepreneur and I am a one person business. So that also includes me, you know, running a website, doing photography, all the emails, marketing, social media, all of that kind of thing. So that's kind of where my career is right now. Amazing. And how does money influence where your career is right now? Oh, 
That's a heavy question. That's so much. Okay. Um, Go lightly. Tread carefully. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's definitely, it changes year by year as I see my business grow. And the year before informs what I will do going forward kind of thing, because there's not really a school for this. And there's not really a handbook for this kind of stuff. Me and my peers that are the same age as me, and even my peers who are much older than me and further into their career, we're, we're kind of figuring it out as we go. So we kind of see kind of exactly like where our year was and what mistakes we made and what real worked really well. And we let that inform our next year. So I mean, my goal is just to get better and grow my business every year. And thankfully, that's the path that I'm on. My business has been growing every year. 2020 was still a pretty decent year for my business, even with all the stuff. So like, I'm very grateful for that. And that also like has me not really having a tight plan for 2021, because who knows what that will look like. So I guess, Kind of how money informs my year to year is kind of seeing how much I have, first of all, to spend back into my business from what I'm making, how much goes into, yeah, back into my business, how much goes to my everyday life. It's not like it's a salary based job. It's, it's freelance commission based. It's a gig market, essentially. Mm. So I have to make all those calls myself. And doing that sometimes can get pretty scary, but I just, just got to do it. And do you have, do you have a system like percentage wise, what you like put in different buckets within your professional practice or do you sort of feel it out? Sometimes. Um, I know, like I've been doing this for, well, full time, I've been doing it for two years, but it's been a side business since 2012 when I was still in school. So it's been like eight and a half nine years now, I guess, right? So I can kind of tell what months are going to be good months and what months are going to be slower months and just kind of shifting those percentages depending on the season. Yeah, that's, yeah, I guess too, as a goldsmith that you would have very feast and famine periods yeah, throughout the like year. It is, it is a, it's not a, um, a necessary item for people. Like it's like, they're usually as gifts for other people or as, milestone markers or uh and gifts for yourself sometimes too which is awesome so you have you know you have mother's day valentine's day wedding season and christmas like those are the 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 high points of the year and everything in between is kind of catch-up period so i know Mm. to be a bit frugal with where i put my money in those in-between points i love that you've got like it works yeah it works And maybe there's better ways to do it, but this is what's working for me now. Hey, if you keep having better and better years, I feel like (laughs) you're doing something right. (laughs) So as you and I both know, money is never just about money. There are like life factors and personal factors that affect, you know, your ability to make money as a creative. And I would just love to know what some of those are for you. Yeah. I mean, 2020 was a good year for figuring out like what to do in a situation where money gets unexpectedly tight for no foreseen reason. And and then other weird expenditures, like my partner and I, we have a dog and dogs sometimes eat really bad things. And then you got to deal with that. And that costs money sometimes, or, you know, like our car broke down and then we got to figure out what to do with that. Like there are all these little 
oopsie moments where you're like, oh, I didn't think I'd have to spend that money this month. So it's always like, like I said, I'm a really good saver. So thankfully I do, I have a emergency kind of situation cash fund where I need to dip into that and go. And then I know I need to pop that up in the next month when I'm in a good month. So I kind of keep that number as, as a, like I have a minimum number that I need to keep in that area. And then I just pop it up as I go. And that's for all those like really weird situations where you just never know what's going to happen. And that's something that I pride myself on. Like that's a goal for me to have is just make sure I have that like emergency fund for whatever reason. So that got me through a lot of 2020. It's funny. I actually just read something about that where the person was essentially saying like, you can save for no reason. You know, like people will be like, oh, I'm saving for a house or I'm saving for a car. And this person was like, you can just save money so that you have yeah. it that, you know, yeah. if your dog eats something strange. Yeah. Like it's, it's funny. Like my partner makes fun of me for this because when I was a kid, I have a younger sister. She's eight years younger than me. So I, she's, I'm like a, a second mom to her almost. Mm. So when I was a kid and we were kids, I just had it in my head that for some reason, something bad might happen to my parents or to us. And I would have to take her and like run away and like start a new life somewhere. None of this would ever occur. Like we were in a very great home and a great household and a great neighborhood. Like none of this would have occurred. But I was like, oh my God, we need to run away. So every time I would get money, like birthday money or cash, I would hide it. So I'd have money hidden all over our house. And that's something I still do. I whispered that because it's not something you should do. <laughs> so like I have just, I have like winter coat pockets, like other spots in the area. Like I'm not going to say anything specific. <laughs> That's but amazing. Then, but then you're like, oh, I just need cash or something. I, I know where I have a $20 bill hidden in this corner. I'm just going to go grab it. <laughs> so I grew up doing that. And now I have a bank account where I can do that. But I also still do the physical squirreling thing. And you like know where it all is though. You're not like, or do you like um, randomly find 20 bucks sometimes? Yeah, and you're like, no, oh, definitely. I know where the larger sums are, but like the smaller solitary bills that I hide, or it's a nice surprise when I take on my winter coat in the, in the winter. And I'm like, aha, amazing. <laughs> $20 richer. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. One of my favorite things about money is like, it's so not a, like as a society, we approach it with like such a rational frame of mind where it's like, oh no, like, you know, the people on Bay Street are so practical and so pragmatic and artists are so frivolous. And, and you're just like, it's just, none of it makes sense. Like capitalism doesn't make none of this. Like, so you squirreling away money is just like, sure. Yeah. And it's funny you say that, like, I'm trying to learn more about economics and like investing and stuff mm. like that. And it just proves to me that money is such an arbitrary thing. Like it's a totally made up system where we just assign numbers to things and like objects. And it's weird. It's really weird when you like really distill it down to what it is. Like I'm learning about like gold and the stock market versus like money in my bank versus physical cash versus like cryptocurrency. And like, what all of that means for us moving into like the future. And it's just so weird. Like I, I, like you said, like those people on Bay Street and the financial district, I don't think they know what they're doing sometimes. I think it's just as confusing for a lot of them as it is for someone like people like us who are not in that world at all. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer right down.
What's the most creative way that you've made money? Just doing like weird side jobs that I didn't think I could get paid for. Mm. Like doing things for fun. And then people saying, hey, can you do this for me as well? And I'll give you money for that. Like stuff like that. Like I recently um, started making websites for people, like people Mm. that I know personally, like other people in the jewelry industry. Because I just made, I just, I work in a, in a studio downtown Toronto where there's like people who are, you know, just starting out. And again, people who are 15 years into their career. And a lot of the older people, you know, are, have a harder grasp around technology. Like it came in so fast and they were already doing one thing to switch over to something new is so hard. So me coming into that, that system with them, they kind of saw like, oh, she knows what she's doing with computers can you help me with this thing? And I just went in from like doing little small things for people to people asking me like, Hey, can you, if I give you like a thousand dollars, can you do this website for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't know how much regular people charge for this, but I'll do it with my like limited skills that I have. I'm not saying I'm like a web developer or designer. Like I can just put things together for people and make it look nice. And, and a lot of like weird things like making thank you cards for people. Um, and then they give them away to their clients, like personalized thank you cards that I've designed and, you know, sold to people for with their logo on it. Because sometimes you just fill, find a niche that needs to be filled wherever you are and you just fill it. And sometimes you get paid for that. I think that was kind of the good thing that came out of going to an arts university or school is that you do dabble in a lot of different creative fields and you come out with some interesting skills that you can put together. Totally. When I graduated, I had a long history of lying my way into jobs. Oh, yeah. You know, because you're like, I can do it, I think. Yes. I think there's still, there's a lot of people who think that you shouldn't do that. And, but so many people do, like, you just learn on the job and you figure it out, like, mm. right? As long as you can figure it out and do it in the end. <laughs> Well, especially, yeah, because going to a, like art and design university, you're like, I learned to use a laser cutter. I learned to do jewelry. I learned to weave. I learned like all of these like very complicated processes. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, this other like very banal like service job thing. Like, yes, I can do that. <laughs> That's fact, I could probably manufacture these clothes, but yeah, <laughs> we'll just sell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so great. And also, I mean. I mean, jewelry is so much work. I did whatever the intro to jewelry class and mm-hmm. then hid in the textile studio. Cause I was like, this is like, it took me three days to polish whatever that first, like make a silver ring. And I was oh, like, God. I can't be a jeweler. <laughs> this is like <laughs> way too much work, but like, yeah, like it's, I, I imagine that people just trust you. Right. Cause you know, the industry and you, you know, you're, you're a, you're a goldsmith, like you get them. Yeah. I mean, when, yeah, when it comes to people who, who work with me and work in the industry with them and then me helping them with things that are not jewelry related per se, they know they can like offload a bunch of photos, like, like photographs of rings. And I know how to like properly color edit them to the actual stone color that they are, because I know that stone, like we've run into issues with hiring, like people to edit photos for us because that's a huge thing like you need like really nice like clean white backgrounds like everything has to be perfect and we'd send these photos out and then they'd come back and like the metal color is wrong the stone color is wrong like there's weird weird splotch over here and because they don't they don't know the industry they don't know the materials so I've kind of I've kind of started taking on those jobs just to like quickly get them done and I know every what everything should look like 
I'm sometimes familiar with the work firsthand. So I'm like with my friends in the studio or was with my friends in the studio when times were regular. And I know what those pieces look like. So I know how to edit them properly. So things like that, where I'm taking my knowledge of the industry, but doing other things that, that help my friends. And then sometimes they pay me for it, which is nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the most creativity killing way that you've made money? I guess just like all those little tiny little jobs that require so much effort for not a lot of payoff. And that's usually what happens like with jobs that could have been simple and cost maybe like 50 to $100, but I'm 40 emails deep with them because they can't make up their minds or they don't know what they want. Like custom work is not for everyone. And I've learned that through making custom work for different types of people. There are some, some people that just haven't, don't have a clear idea of what they're looking for and they have a very low budget. And those two things don't work well together, unfortunately. So those types of jobs like really like hurt me. (laughs) Like I love, I love making things for people on budgets, but a lot of people don't understand that me sitting on an, on my computer back and forth, emailing, trying to figure out what you need from me eats into that time kind of thing. And I still have to make this thing for you for under a hundred dollars, but I've spent like 10 hours of email, like 10 hours emailing you. Like that's that yeah. kind of admin stuff eats up, eats up a lot of that creativity kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And also if, you know, I imagine as a goldsmith, you'd rather be on the bench. Or oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Like there are times where I'm at the bench and I'm working on something and I, I glance over and I see an email come up, someone who needs all these things for me. And I'm like, the more you ask me for things, the less time I have to work on the thing for you and you need it tomorrow. There's a lot of that over Christmas. <laughs> oh, Yeah. So what do you wish you had known about money earlier on in your creative practice? Everything, kind of everything. That's real. But also like, it's hard. Like I said, there's not really a handbook for things like this where there's such specific types of jobs and requirements. Um, Everyone runs their business differently. Everyone makes different things, but it would still be nice to know more about like saving for the future saving for or like how to properly organize your money bookkeeping and accounting would have been amazing to learn early on actually that's actually probably the thing yeah let's go with that bookkeeping and accounting would have been something I would have loved to learn like in school or even like right after school or something that's really hard yeah I just like don't have the passion for doing putting numbers in places like I don't want to <laughs> and I could like could hire someone I could hire someone to do that but when you're when you're just one person and you're still a small business you want to keep your profit margin where it is like already like with materials being so expensive in my field like I don't have a very big profit margin and that sometimes gets entirely eaten up by the number of emails I have to send um so in order to like hire all these different people to help me do my jobs. Like I, I'm tentative to do that sometimes. I want to, I have the tendency to do as many things as possible on my own before I, before I'm like, okay, someone else has to do this when I'm making enough money. Fair. Yeah. I'm trying to think back. Like, I don't know. 
did we have a professional development class? Like I was like, did we have anything that talked about like, so here's how you get to keep doing this once you've left. Yeah. So we, we were in professional practice together. We were in the same class. Oh, we were. Yes. But we didn't really learn much about numbers, to be honest. Like we learned how to like put together proposals, which was helpful and like figure out like how to figure out what a business plan looks like. But those were all with like imaginary numbers that didn't mean anything. Like I didn't know how much a studio rented and how much that would affect my life if I had to, you know, spend I can only spend 10 hours a week at this studio, but my rent is $600 there versus I get 24 hour access to this studio. Um, but my rent is like $850. Like that stuff means something now, but it didn't mean anything to me when I was in school because we had a studio, we had studio access. Like I would never, I didn't think, and a lot of us didn't think that once you leave school, you have to pay for all of that stuff. So I wish there was just more more of that, more of like, hey, by the way, when you leave, like you're pretty much independent and everything costs money. Everything costs a lot of money, but you still have to live your life and make things. This is how you do that. And there was none of that. So my final question is for you. What advice do you have for other creative people who are trying to make it work financially, whether goldsmiths or anyone? Just ask for help from the people around you. Like ask people who are at the same stage in their career or they're starting a job as you. Ask people who are years and years in and ask them what they're doing and what they wish they could have done. Just how you're asking me. Because you can learn a lot from people who have made those mistakes already, to be honest, and they know what they're doing now, or they know what doesn't work for them anymore. Like there's no shame in, in saying, I don't know anything, please help me. And just, yeah. And, and try to learn or figure out how much money needs to go towards getting someone to either teach you or do a job for you when it comes to money and accounting. Cause it's like, for some reason, People who are creative and people who love business and like money stuff, that that Venn diagram overlap is very small. So figure out if you want to pay someone to help you with that or figure it out on your own. And that will help you in the long run if that is one of your first goals. Yeah. Do you have an accountant or bookkeeper? I have an accountant as of last year. (laughs) When I when I realized, like, you know what, this is this has got to go. This st- the stack of papers needs to go to someone else. So <laughs> I was, and it honestly saved me so much time. Um, and time is something that costs a lot when you are a small business. You can't get that back, but money you can always make again. I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but if you if you weigh out how much time you're spending doing something on your own and then figure out how much money it would cost to pay someone to do that for you faster while you can do other things and paying someone else to do that for you is cheaper than if you were to do it yourself, then do it. There's no harm in that. There's nothing shameful in asking for help or paying someone else to help you. Yeah. I love accountants. They're worth their weight in gold. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And finding a good accountant is hard, I will say, 
So it's like finding a good therapist. It can yes. like take some time. Oh, it's a, it's like a really tight relationship that needs to happen. Like that accountant needs to really know the ins and outs of what you're doing and what you do and how they can help you save money. It goes back to that. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else you want to talk about with money? Anything that we didn't cover? We'll open the floor to you. There's a lot of explaining that has to be done when you're in a bank trying to explain, like trying to talk about what you need. And sometimes that gets a little frustrating. And for me personally, I don't get taken seriously when people, when executive or important money people see me. I'm a young looking female and I'm very small. And they're like, ah, this is a 15 year old person. What is she doing here? Yeah. So it's, that's, that's also like a weird layer when I, when I mm. go into a financial institution, which, which is why I try to avoid that at all costs. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> that's true though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I never thought of yeah. that. And I, and I think it's also strange for older and older generation to realize that you can be young and in a creative field and make a living. That's something that my own family like took a long time to realize like not just my parents but like my extended family my aunts and uncles they're always asking like are you doing okay like I know you're living in downtown like I, I think they think I probably live in like like a really crappy apartment or something but I live in a nice place I live in a nice area I'm making money obviously I'm able to do this full time and I think that's maybe not as difficult of a concept to grasp anymore or it's becoming easier but it's still like why aren't you a doctor kind of thing? <laughs> did we, so, cause we were in the same year, but I graduated a year late. Did you graduate 2012 or 2013? I graduated 2013. Okay. So we did graduate the same year and did, you went to convocation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, was it Douglas? No, Douglas Copeland. I was going to say yes. Douglas Adams when he was like, you know, he's like, keep your head down. If you're still doing it in your thirties, then like, you're probably doing something right. Yeah. And I think it's so true. Like so yeah. much of it is like also just being the last one standing because a mm -hmm. lot of people, I think especially the age we're at, it's like, mm -hmm. this is the time when people are like, ooh, if it's still a little rough or it's still a bit of a stretch, maybe I'm not going to stick with it. Yeah. But if you stick it with it, like over the next few years, it's like, you're going to be one of the only ones. And yeah. Then, and yeah. that's kind of like an unfortunate thing as well to like see your peers, like make a go at it. And then mm. that number of people who are still doing that thing gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But that also could also be like personal decisions that they made, not because they failed out of it or whatever. They could have just been like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Like I found another thing I want to do more. And that's totally fine. So yeah. it's also that like comparing yourself to others is also really hard and seeing, and maybe even seeing other people ha seemingly have more money than you. And in the, especially with social media, social media is, is a difficult thing, but also you're trying to get people to, to respect you as a, as a creative, but also know that you make money, but also not enough money that you shouldn't buy for me. Like it's a weird, it's a weird relationship when you're a small business. Like it's really, really cool right now to support a small struggling business. Like that is a trendy thing right now, which is unfortunate, but also good in a lot of ways. So I felt really strange telling people that my 2020 business year was really good because mm. it was They're like, oh, like that's weird. Maybe I should, I don't know, spend my money somewhere else. Like you seem you're like you're doing OK. I'm going to go somewhere else. And I mean, sure, if you want to. 
but I would, you can still buy from me too. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's like cool to be successful. Like the point yeah. is like small businesses aren't just like accoutrements in your neighborhood that you like try to keep afloat at the bare yeah. minimum. Yes. Yeah. It's like those people can like have thriving practices. Like that's cool. Mm -hmm. Exactly that. Yeah. It's, it's a weird time. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> yeah. But I'm so, I mean, I'm so glad that you're still doing what you're doing, Leanne. Like it's too. amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, you're a goldsmith in downtown Toronto. Like that yeah. is no small accomplishment. It's so yeah, wild. It's pretty, pretty great. I'm pretty lucky. And I, I know that I, I just love my job too. And that's, mm. that's what's keeping me going. Well, thank you so much. This was Thanks. fantastic. I'm so glad we got to catch up a little bit. The Used Key is hosted and produced by me, Ray Kess. If you have thoughts or questions about this episode that you would like to share, head over to the URL in the show description and let me know what you're thinking about. And just a reminder that money is a really personal topic for all of us. So if you're going to comment on today's show, please do so in a way that is thoughtful and respectful. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and for showing up to do the creative work that matters to you. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay bright. Like we do it, like we do it.